Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating, and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical, and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome, Jamie, to the podcast. We are so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, I'd love to just launch straight in with you and talk about the the different types of clients that you normally see in your clinic. I understand that you practice from a clinic um, in Sydney. I do. I practice between two clinics in Sydney and and have done since I graduated from uni. I see, look, I see so many different types of patients, but I think probably weight loss, weight management is one of the major things that I do. It's sort of, I guess, the bread and butter of what I do. Um, And often if a patient presents with something such as uh, high cholesterol, pre-diabetes, something like that, often there's a weight component to that anyway. Definitely. Um, so I guess with weight loss, it's such a, it's one of the big things that I guess a lot of people, Australians in particular, really struggle with. What do you see as, I guess, one of the biggest things that holds your clients back when it comes to weight loss? I think I've got quite an um, interesting demographic where I work as well. I would say that most of them have a fairly good knowledge of nutrition and knowledge of weight management. Um, I think it's probably lifestyle that really is the, the, the thing that gets in the way for a lot of them. I see a lot of very busy people. So people who work very long hours, um, potentially have very, very high stress levels. So although they might have good intentions, they might know what to do. They often um, just simply don't have the time. They don't have the time maybe to exercise, to prepare food properly, um, to even follow a diet if they wanted to, um, you know, to try and manage their weight. And I think that's probably the the biggest issue for most of my patients anyway. Mm. I would agree with a lot of my um, with a lot of my patients as well. So, do you think something like intermittent fasting can be helpful for these types of people? Uh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, there's different types of intermittent fasting, but certainly um, the method that I use the most, which is sixteen eight, I find is just such a no brainer. It's so it's it's just so easy and simple. It's such a simple concept, and anyone can do it. And particularly, you know, I mean, really, it's with a lot of diets these days, it requires you to. Um, uh, prepare food and, um, uh, you know, sort of have specific types of foods around, be measuring and weighing or counting calories. Whereas with intermittent fasting, again, particularly 16-8, all it is is really effectively skipping a meal or just not eating for part of the day. And I think that is incredibly appealing to a lot of particularly busy people. And I would 100% agree. And I guess that you know, people have been doing intermittent fasting without really even realizing it for quite a while now, would you say? And I guess even a few years ago, we sort of, or even 10 years ago, we sort of thought maybe this might have an effect on our metabolic rate. You know, the, the latest sort of nutritional messages where don't skip meals, it might slow down your metabolism. But we've come a long way since then, haven't we? Definitely. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest questions I get is, um, you know, we've always been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And although I think that it's very personal and some people really do need to have something first thing in the morning, they feel better, they function better. Um, I think most of us don't realize that we can actually do very well without breakfast and or at least delay our first meal of the day and get quite, quite some benefits from it. Mm. So often people with breakfast, it's not it's not traditionally the healthiest sort of meal. Like a lot of people will start with a very high sugar breakfast or they might just do the whole coffee and, you know, or a big iced coffee, which is just loaded with um, sugar and calories. So it's not traditionally one of our healthiest 
you know, meals of the day. So I guess sort of skipping it for some people could really be quite conducive for weight loss. Uh, absolutely. I think that um, in many cases, people get breakfast really right and it, does, it sets them up beautifully for the day. But I think a lot of people, yeah, grab breakfast on the run, get the big milky coffees with loads of sugar or syrup in it. You know, those sort of typical scenarios, a muffin on the run kind of thing. And often because they think they have to, not because they're necessarily hungry either. I've got so many patients who jam down breakfast, you know, at six, seven o'clock in the morning because they think they have to. And I think it's quite freeing for a lot of people to kind of just go, wow, first of all, I've got, you know, plenty of time in the morning to get ready and get off to work in time and not be sort of um, thinking like I have to uh, eat a breakfast or eat food when I really don't feel like it yet. Um, And so I think a lot of people really um, love that concept as well. Definitely. I can see how it would fit in quite easily for, um, you know, maybe busy mums or or workers and that sort of thing. So I'm going to sort of bring you a little bit back. You mentioned the 16 eight hour fast. So for some of our listeners, would you mind, I guess, just describing the different types of intermittent fasting? Sure. So look, there are many different types of intermittent fasting, but I always, um, focus on the ones that have been most well researched and I in my book I break it down into two main methods so I call I call them part day and full day fasting so full day fasting uh, probably the most well known is the 5-2 which was as we all know pioneered by Dr. Michael Mosley mm-hmm. about 10 years ago it is where you would eat normally for five days of the week and then you would fast on two days of the week but that fast is a calorie controlled fast. You eat about a quarter of your daily calories. So for women, it's about 500 calories. For men, it's about 600 calories. His most recent book uh, has everyone eating around 800 calories. I think he's he sort of realized that that is a very restrictive amount of calories mm-hmm. in a day. And a lot of people were kind of busting out of those numbers anyway, and having a few hundred extra calories every day anyway. So I think they, they know now that um, you can still get very good results on about 800 calories a day. Mm-hmm on those two fasting days. Then there's um, alternate day fasting, another uh, method of fasting that's um, quite well researched. And that's basically fasting for one day, eating normally for the next, fasting for one day, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I call full day fasting. Then there's um, part day fasting. That's where 16-8 falls in. And so effectively you're fasting um, you know, sort of one to seven days of the week, depending on your goals and what you're trying to achieve. But on that particular day, you're only eating within either a six or an eight hour window. And that's where the 16-8 comes in. So um, a 16-8 will be you would fast for 16 hours of the day, of which most of it you're sleeping anyway. Um, and then you would eat within an eight hour window of the day. And that can be any time of the day. I would say to you, most people typically uh, like to skip breakfast and have their first meal of the day kind of late morning or around lunchtime because a lot of people can race out of the house, have a black coffee or loads of water, be busy, and by the time they think about food, it's lunchtime already. And a lot of people then like to come home and be able to eat dinner with their family or their partner or go out for dinner. So I would say that's probably the most popular method of intermittent fasting in terms of the patients that I see. And then a slightly more extreme version of that is is what we call 18-6, which as the 16-8 suggests, it's 18 hours of fasting a day, six hours of eating. So it's just an ever so slightly more more sort of uh, extreme version or restrictive version of the 16-8. Mm. And when it comes to the latest, I guess, research around fasting, how important is that timing? Because I guess I get a lot of questions through social media. You know, if somebody was to fast for, you know, 16 hours, but they get hungry at the 14-hour mark, they sort of say to me, does it, you know, does it really matter? Can I eat? Or could I just fast for, say, 12 hours and still get some 
some sort of benefit. So would you say the timing is very important or it's just sort of what fits in somebody's lifestyle? I absolutely think it's got to fit in someone's lifestyle. And again, another reason why I like this, because I feel like you know, with a lot of diets, there's a lot of strict rules and restrictions. And, um, uh, you know, and uh, with this, I think it's very important to be a little bit flexible and be able to recognize that some days you're going to be hungry and uh, hungrier than others. Some days you're going to train harder than other days and you're going to be hungrier. Other days you might just not feel so great or you maybe had a lighter meal the night before and you're going to be hungrier uh, sooner. So I think it's really important to be able to listen to your body and listen to what you need. I find some people will go 18 hours and go, wow, I didn't even mean to do that. And other days they're, you know, at the 12 hour mark, they're really hungry and needing to eat something. So I think it's really important to just listen to your body and be flexible, um, around those timings. Um, but I think that, um, uh, you know, um, even just 12 hours of fasting a day, um, a lot of people just simply don't do that. You know, I, I tend to find that, and I think what one of the biggest issues as well around weight management is that a lot of people tend to eat late into the night. So they might have dinner, but then be sitting in front of the TV at 10, 11 at night, eating chockey or popcorn or something like that. And then they're up at six o'clock in the morning, maybe with grand intentions, going to the gym or racing off to work and jamming down a coffee and some cereal. And really they've only fasted for about seven hours of the day, technically. So even just for some people like that, extending it to a 12-hour fast can have some benefits, even just initially if you're working up towards the 16 hours of fasting. So for example, that might be sort of having dinner at and wrapping up at 7 p.m. and then having your breakfast at 7 a.m. And that that in itself is a 12-hour fast. Um, and as I said, a lot of people really just get benefits from that initially depending on their starting point. Mm. So it really is definitely a personalized um, thing in terms of what fits in your lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So I guess, I guess, the thing that uh, I like, definitely love some aspects of intermittent fasting, but I find that for some people it can be overly restrictive. And I guess it becomes quite restrictive when people really focus on the timing. I have um, mm. a friend that I was out to lunch with one day and I think it was maybe around 11.30 that we met up and she was sort of saying, oh no, I can't eat till 12. And it literally, she waited till 12 o'clock on the dot on the minute. And I'm mm. sort of trying to yeah. explain to her that, you know, it doesn't need to be within that minute. You're not going to get the magical benefits from IF purely from waiting till that very last minute to hit your exact sort of 16 or 18 hours of fasting. You can be a little bit more flexible within that. Absolutely. And look, I think that's probably um, a, a bit of a personality thing as well. I think some people like to have those rules and know exactly what to do and when and and be quite um, sort of, you know, sort of really run to time. And, and I understand that. Um, but I do think that you know, in order for this to be something that you can do long term, um, and for it to have some longevity, I think that, you know, any type of a lifestyle intervention, you have to have some flexibility in there because it's just impossible to always be having to wait till the dot of 12 o'clock to eat. I mean, there's a couple of things you can do. And some things that my patients like to do is that if, for example, they're eating with a friend at 11 and they would normally break their fast at 12, they might then pull their, their hours um, back an hour in the evening. So, for example, they might um, make their their eating window from 11 till 6 instead of 12 till 8 or, so, or something along those lines. So, they might just sort of restrict their hours down a little bit or they might just 
um, shift their hours by an hour or so, if that makes sense. So, you know, you can play around with a little bit, but again, I would encourage that flexibility. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when you were explaining the different types of intermittent fasting, you mentioned that 16-8 was your particular favorite one. Can you give our listeners, um, I guess, a couple of reasons why you've, you find that's the easiest for a lot of your clients? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a really good reason why I, I wrote a book on it. And that is because I found that um, in clinical practice that it was not only the most appealing um, form of intermittent fasting for my patients, you know, whenever I would give them the spiel about uh, fasting and the benefits and here are the different methods, without a doubt, you know, sort of 95% of them would always go for 16-8. Um, and that, again, is because it's just such a simple concept. Um, and, you know, there's, you know, with with uh, with your full day fasting, so like the 5-2 style of fasting, it does require you to count calories and be quite meticulous with counting calories. Um, and look, I think that can be quite helpful for some people. I think finding the calorie value of food and also just really knocking out your fasting in two days of the week and being able to kind of relax for the rest of the week can be quite um, appealing to a lot of people. But I would say it's the the minority. I would say the vast majority of people find 16-8 is far more appealing. Um, and also because it has that level of flexibility in it, you can play around with the hours. You can do it some weeks, twice a week. You can do it other weeks, seven times a week. You know, it really depends on what's going on and what your goals are. And and and, um, and that's very appealing to busy people in particular. Mm. And I would say that... Um I guess the five, two where you're fasting, as you mentioned, maybe only 500, 600, 800 calories in a day that can appear very restrictive. I mean, that's really, it's really only one meal or one meal and a small snack for the majority of people, isn't it? It is. I mean, you can structure those days um, however you like. And some people will have three very small meals over the day. Um, some people might have one sort of larger meal at some point in the day. So, um, again, that's quite personal, um, but it's it's hard going. It is hard going. And, and a lot of people report back to me that there are days where they find they're, they're less productive. Um, they definitely can't do any sort of heavy exercise um, because they don't have a lot of energy. So look, it can be a little hard going, but some people really love that and they love the intensity of it and they love how they feel the day after. So again, it's quite personal. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really the bottom line here, isn't it? Just having that flexibility and also making it personalized to your own life style. Absolutely. You can do a combination of the two as well. So I find that some people find that two days of uh, two days a week of, of, you know, sort of five or 600 calories um, is quite intense. But if they were to do say one day a week of, of a calorie, calorie control, five or 600 calories, then a couple of days of part day fasting where they would eat just within that eight hour window, that can also work quite well as well. So it means that you can do a combination of the two. Some people like to sort of kick off their, their week, for example, on a Monday, uh, you know, just having a sort of calorie control day. And then they might spend the rest of the work week just doing a 16-8 style of fasting. And then may, they might just sort of relax a little bit on the weekend. So again, just something else to think about in terms of if you don't want to do one or the other, there is the option to do a combination of the two as well. Yeah, that's great. And to be honest, I've never even really, really thought about combining them. But I guess depending yeah. on your your starting place or depending on your goals, um, it could be a really great it, it could be really great for somebody because I would assume that somebody um, perhaps in a larger body might like to lose a little bit more than perhaps somebody who maybe just wanted to lose two or three kilos or you know maybe five kilos. They might get um, somebody in a larger body might get um, I guess better results a little bit quicker from sort of doing the combination of of both of them. Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly right, and. 
um, you know, and, and perhaps some someone uh, has been on holidays and maybe they just want to lose, you know, that, that couple of kilos that they, um, you know, have had a good time putting on. And, and you know, that's a, you know, quick quick sort of easy solution for, you know, a couple of weeks or however long it takes, you know, again, um, it, it can work very well for, for a lot of people. And then uh, I have had a number of patients in this, in that, in that very position where they might then once they've, you know, dropped a couple of kilos or whatever their goal was, um, they might then pull out that full day of fasting and then just continue on with the part day fasting as a maintenance mode. And that works beautifully for them. Mm, wonderful. Now, are there certain types of people that you find really respond a lot better to intermittent fasting than other types of people? I'm sort of thinking in my head, um, people like air hostesses perhaps, or maybe FIFO workers, fly-in, fly-out workers who spend a lot of time, um, you know, doing a lot of physical labor and who might not have time to stop for breaks, perhaps pilots or um, shift workers like nurses. Do you find that there are particular, I guess, groups of people that benefit more from intermittent fasting compared to others? Yeah. So I think, uh, any type of shift worker, I think intermittent fasting works beautifully for because they can time their eating window either around their sleep or around their work hours. So um, they can make that quite flexible depending on whether they're doing a day shift or a night shift or what is whatever's happening for them. So nurses, I think that's brilliant for them. I would be a little bit uh, not concerned, but I would be careful for anyone who does very heavy physical work like a FIFO um, uh, sort of worker or, um, perhaps someone like a doctor or a surgeon or, um, you know, someone who maybe, uh, drove trucks or something along those lines where they kind of need to be a little bit more mentally sharp and physically sharp. Um, so I would just, again, uh, you know, I would say probably test it out, um, when you're not at work, um, on a weekend or a holiday or something like that and make sure that it doesn't affect you physically. I do, I do think though that, um, anyone that does get any sort of negative effects from intermittent fasting, such as a fuzzy head or a bit of a headache or something like that, which is not uncommon, particularly when you first begin fasting. I do find that within about two to four weeks, most people um, respond very well and their body kind of adjusts to the fasting and they end up really feeling quite fantastic and they feel quite mentally sharp and they have improved memory and they do get quite a lot of benefits from it. But I would say that initially some people um, uh, do feel a little bit wobbly, can feel a little bit wobbly. And so I would just be careful for anyone who um, uh, is in a job where they need to be physically or mentally sharp. So I would just mention that as as, as a sort of side note. Mm, and I think that's a really important point to make because you do see a lot of people online who, I guess, practice intermittent fasting themselves, talking about the benefits and having that um, improved mental alertness and sharpness. But as you mentioned, it is something that can take time to develop, especially if we're so conditioned to waking up and eating first thing in the morning. Um, if you've been yeah. doing that for the last 20 or 30 years, you can you know, probably make the assumption that you might feel a little bit uh, lightheaded or a bit fuzzy for a couple of weeks. So perhaps if anybody out there wanted to try it, um, perhaps on your holidays or on the weekends might be a good time to just sort of or ease yourself into it. Um, maybe on your days off, if you're a shift worker or something like that could be a good strategy, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Great. And then, Jamie, do you practice intermittent fasting yourself? I, I not right this second because I'm breastfeeding a new baby, but um, my relationship with intermittent fasting started um, about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, maybe it was only, yeah, probably two years ago. So I just finished breastfeeding my first bub and had sort of the last kind of five kilos of baby weight to shift. And 
um, that I had come across this really fantastic research on intermittent fasting. And I thought, what a, you know, what a great concept. And so my husband and I actually did it together. Um, and just, I couldn't believe how not only effective it was just to lose that weight, but aside from that, I just felt so fantastic. I had such great energy. I found that my appetite was really stable. Um, so, um, yeah, look, I practiced intermittent fasting religiously, um, until I fell pregnant again with my second bub. And, um, I got to say, look, I love breastfeeding my baby. I'm <laughs> looking forward to getting back into it a- a- again. Um, and so it will always be a part of my life. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, and not just for weight management, but for how it makes me feel as well. And if I was to even go back further than that, um, my dad started intermittent fasting about 10 years ago when Michael Mosley sort of first um, brought the concept out. And his, again, wasn't for weight management. It was about brain health because um, my grandfather died quite early of, um, was diagnosed and died quite early of Alzheimer's. And so, you know, as, as, uh, you know, something that's a very strong family history then for my dad, um, he really wanted to do all he could to try and preserve his brain health. And so, um, you know, subsequently he then went on to lose sort of eight, 10 kilos and, um, looks about 10 years younger as well. He feels fantastic. And, um, so yeah, my relationship with intermittent fasting kind of goes way back. Um, but personally a, a couple of years ago is when I started it and yeah, look, it's really been a life changer. Um, and so I was able to personally experience the benefits before writing the book as well. So it was really great. Yeah, wonderful. And did you find that it was an easy fit into your lifestyle? Are you somebody who typically loved breakfast or were you someone that was always finding that you were eating on the run? Um, you've got a small, you know, a small child as well. Would you find that eating for you breakfast, sitting down and having a breakfast just wasn't really a viable option? Is that why you found intermittent fasting so easy to, to sort of fit into your lifestyle? Definitely. And I will say, look, I for research purposes, I, you know, trialed, I trialed all of them and I trialed combinations of them and really gave it a good shot. I had my hubby off doing his thing as well and doing some research for me as well. Um, but what I found was that if I wanted, for me personally, if I wanted results in terms of weight management, I needed to include in that, that full day fast as well. Um, but I found on a day-to-day level, the part day fast and just pushing my breakfast back um, and trying to eat dinner early and sort of not then eating dinner, anything after dinner, um, just worked beautifully for me and worked very well within my lifestyle. I'm the kind of person that would wake up and have, um, you know, a coffee with a little, a little dash of milk in the morning. And then I could very easily without even thinking about it, go till probably nine o'clock without wanting to eat. And then really, if I wanted to then do a proper fast, it was just a matter of pushing that out for another few hours. And I'd just wait for sort of a 11, 12 o'clock until I'd have my first meal of the day. And, and as time went on, you know, as I mentioned before, that just got easier and easier and easier to the point where I really just was not hungry at all until lunchtime. And, and that I get those reports back from my patients um, all the time. I mean, I think I would say to you the vast majority of my patients who do who do this and start pushing their breakfast out, even if it's sort of slowly and gradually, um, you know, they, they sort of turn around and say, after a couple of months, I really, I'm not even hungry any, in, in the morning anymore. I don't even think about eating. I will mention too that 
with the 16-8, it's not just a matter of not having breakfast. You can also change the timing as well mm. so that you eat breakfast. Um, uh, you, for example, you might do an 8 a.m. to a 4 p.m. sort of uh, eating window. So you might wake up and have breakfast um, and then fast from, say, 4 p.m. Or, or, or mid-afternoon. A lot of people really need to have um, breakfast in the morning and really not that hungry in the evening. They might just sort of snack or graze. Um, you know, it might be someone who lives by themselves or works late in, into the night um, and they really aren't that hungry. So it, it, I talk a lot about skipping breakfast or not having breakfast, but with 16-8, I did want to mention that you can actually change those timings around and, of course, you can be eating breakfast um, and, and not having dinner as well. So there is that option as well. Hmm. And I guess that the first person that sort of springs to my mind would be a lot of my clients wake up and they work out first thing in the morning and they do quite an yes. intense type of workout, um, you know, maybe F45 or some sort of high-intensity sort of exercise where it's not really conducive mm. to, A, really do that fa- in a fasted state and, B, not eat for a couple of hours after that. You sort of want to get in some carbs and protein after your workout. So that would be, sure. I guess, the perfect scenario of somebody who was a really early exerciser, like a 5, 6 a.m. exerciser, um, which isn't personally myself. I like a good sleep in, <laughs> but um, yeah. that could suit their lifestyle quite easily. And then, you know, foregoing or um, I guess skipping that dinner instead of instead of the breakfast. Yeah, or, or, or simply, you know, sort of having a, a larger last meal of your day kind of mid-afternoon, you know, and then sort of, um, uh, you know, and then lots of water and, you know, herbal tea or whatever it is through the evening, um, you know, whilst you're fasting. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point. Um, and again, a question I get all the time, you know, people who exercise first thing in the morning, um, that being a barrier for for them to do intermittent fasting so there is that option of course to change the timing to suit you and and to to make sure that it's um you know you're getting the most out of your exercise as well absolutely mm, definitely and you mentioned um herbal tea so i think i get a lot of questions from people now we know that you're not really supposed to have anything that contains calories during your fasting period um and so typically for most people it's black tea or coffee herbal tea or just water but i do get yeah. a lot of people asking me questions you know can i put just a quarter of a teaspoon of sugar or just a dash of milk what are your sort of thoughts or feelings around that is it you're fasting and 100% you're not as if you're having nothing with calories or can some people add, you know, just a little dash of milk or, you know, just a quarter of a teaspoon of sugar if that helps them to then last, you know, to that 14, 16, you know, hour mark? Without a doubt. Absolutely. So I just think it's important to be very careful though, because everyone's idea of a splash of milk is a little (laughs) bit different. And the last thing you'd want is for it to knock you out of a fasting mode by just kind of adding too much milk. So in order to be more accurate with your question, the current research says that if you're goal for fasting is about anti-aging, which it is for a lot of people. So kind of um, improving general health and turning back the clock, I suppose you could call it. Um, It's you, you really can only have water. So no black tea, no black coffee, no herbal tea, nothing but water. However, if it's for weight management specifically that you're doing fasting, then the drinks that you mentioned, so herbal tea, black tea, black coffee, and water is absolutely fine. The researchers, and to quote them, they say, it's better to fast and add a dash of milk to your to your coffee than not fast at all. So if that's what gets you through, I would absolutely say do it and go for it. Yeah, wonderful. And again, I think that comes back to just being that little bit flexible where it doesn't mean that you need to last till exactly 12 o'clock on the dot or it doesn't mean that if you absolutely hate your tea and coffee that you can't have a small dash if that's something that really, as you mentioned, will just get you through and help you 
I guess, reap the benefits of intermittent fasting if it's something that you you really quite enjoy. Absolutely. And it's just got to be, you know, intermittent fasting, it, there's quite a scientific strategy behind it. And I wouldn't want my patients to think too much about it, you know, um, and to just sort of enjoy it for what it is. But, um, you know, it is important not to have uh, so many calories, particularly carbohydrate, that, the carbohydrates that are going to knock you out of that fasting mode. But obviously, um, you know, having a little bit and making sure that it's something that's manageable for you to get through that fasting mode. If you can find that fine balance, I think that, um, you know, you can be quite successful with it. Mm. And you mentioned not having, I guess, too many carbohydrates to knock you out of that fast. Is there any numbers that you can give our listeners? Is it sort of, I mean, if you're thinking about somebody waking up at 6am, but not eating till midday, and there's somebody that loved tea and coffee, they could have you know, six cups of tea within that sort of six or eight hour period. Is there a limit yeah. in terms of, would you say maybe less than two tablespoons of, of milk all up, or is there any sort of numbers that we can give our listeners today? Uh, look, I, as far as I know, no, I just don't think that there's enough, there's been enough mm. research done on it. So I would not want to give you any sort of incorrect numbers, but I would say to you, a guide would be to have the one tea or coffee with a little dash of milk, say I would cap it at maybe a tablespoon or so. Um, and just to, just from a behavioral perspective, just keeping it at that, because in terms of, you know, how much milk you can actually get away with, I would say that it would be quite personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone would respond slightly differently, um, to, to that amount of carbohydrate or that amount of milk. So I would say just to keep it at that, um, Uh, And I think you'd probably be fairly safe. Yeah, wonderful. And you mentioned also, I'll bring you right back to um, the anti-aging benefits. And you mentioned having no um, tea and coffee. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Because I find that very fascinating, um, fasting from sort of an aging perspective. Yeah, so there's a process called autophagy, which is basically where the body goes around and kind of um, cleans up all the byproducts of cells and um, and gets rid of them from our body. And um, that process is is um, I guess amplified um, in a fasting mode. And so what the research is sort of showing, and it's still in its infancy, but the research is sort of showing that um, in a fasting mode, our body can sort of really accelerate. Um, that cleanup process um, and and really reap some benefits in terms of anti-aging um, whilst in a in a fasting mode. Yeah, wonderful. And I guess that a lot of people think about intermittent fasting and it sort of goes hand in hand with weight loss, but you can still hit. Mm. If you're somebody who is of a very healthy body weight at the moment, you can still maintain mm. your body weight as long as you're still eating the required calories that your body needs within that fasting period. But then as you mentioned, you're still getting some other additional health benefits as well. That's right. I mean, the, the health Health benefits, I think, are probably even more impressive than the weight benefits in terms of the research so far from intermittent fasting. Um, for example, there's research to support um, intermittent fasting for reducing cholesterol, um, reducing um, blood sugar and insulin levels, um, you know, reducing uh, blood pressure, um, huge amounts of um, fabulous research coming through. Again, it's still early days, um, but it's looking really good. And I certainly have seen it in, in my practice. Um, you know, I've seen those numbers. 
um, dropping for all my patients, and and um, so I think there's some very exciting stuff coming coming up in the in the intermittent fasting world in the future. Yeah, wonderful. And I guess could you tell our listeners today about maybe about a case study? Obviously, without naming any names or anything like that. Have you got? Mm. We can call them patient X. Have you got a great example <laughs> of how um, intermittent fasting has helped patient X in certain areas of their life? Yeah, sure. I'll give you an example of um, a patient I saw for about six months. She came to see me um, after she'd seen her GP uh, just for a general checkup and she'd started a new job about five years beforehand where she was traveling interstate for about four days of the week and often on planes, you know, every day to second day, staying in hotels and basically being at the mercy of, um, you know, uh, wherever she was for food. And so, um, preparing food, doing any type of exercise, having any type of routine was very, very difficult for her. And she, um, her doctor had got her to stand on the scale and do a couple of, um, blood tests. And she was really shocked to find out that 20 kilos had crept on. She really hadn't noticed it. And, um, she, uh, had blood tests done and, and her blood sugar levels were also, um, quite high. She wasn't diabetic yet, but she was pre-diabetic and, and, um, you know, her doctor was quite concerned and, so she came to see me and we talked about intermittent fasting and how 16-8 could be incredibly beneficial to her because she just didn't have to think about food and where she was going to get it from for, you know, kind of half the day, I suppose. And so she went off and started that. And what she decided to do was to, in her hotel room, make a black coffee in the morning, drink a heap of water through the morning. Um, and then she would um, be able to just have whatever lunch was um, available to her wherever she was. So often she was in workshops and there were, there were sandwiches provided. Often she'd be able to run out for half an hour and grab um a soup or a whatever was available. And, you know, when you're on a, in inverted commas diet, it's very difficult to do that and be able to, you know, manage um, little extra bits and bobs like oils and dressings and things like that, mm. that creep in, be able to manage portion controls and uh, put, sorry, be able to portion control, etc. So, um, for her, this was very, very appealing. She could be more flexible when she was eating. Um, the other thing that was a difficulty for her was that through the afternoon in her workshops, they would provide, um, bowls and bowls of things like, uh, Mentos and lollies and sweets. And there would be afternoon tea that would come in that would be pastries and things like that. So, you know, another great little strategy that we had was very simply, she would just have some sort of either a fruit or a muesli bar or something like that, that she would bring. Um, but if she felt like a little pastry or something like that, that there was the flexibility to be able to do that and have that if she wanted to, but she had a backup snack that was nutritious and healthy as well. And same deal with dinner that wherever she was, she'd pop into a restaurant or a cafe or she'd get room service. Um, she'd choose what she wanted within reason. Um, but she was able to really easily maintain that with some flexibility. She'd try and walk where she could around the city that she was at or use the gym at the, um, at the hotel she was staying. And, um, she came back to see me about a month later and, and, you know, she'd sort of lost four or five kilos, um, four or five centimeters, Mm. particularly around her middle, um, and she just was like, it's just a no brainer. It's mm-hmm. just so, it's just so easy. I don't have to think about it. Um, and so that strategy worked beautifully for her. We worked together for about, um, I think within about four to five months, she had lost the 20 kilos that she gained. Um, and she was back to her sort of normal weight. 
I think more importantly, again, was that um, she'd had blood tests done again and her um, blood sugar levels had returned to within the normal range. She felt fantastic. Um, and, you know, she, she just said to me, I, I don't even think about eating in the morning anymore. You know, this is just an integral part of my day. I, um, and I'll just do it forever. And it's going to help me to maintain my weight and help me to keep my blood sugar, my blood sugar levels within the normal range. And, um, and that was her. She completely changed her lifestyle and turned everything around. And so I think that's a really good example of, um, you know, how particularly again for busy people, how it can be incorporated into their lifestyle very successfully. Yeah. Wonderful. What a, what a tremendous result. And all she was doing was 16, eight fasting, was she? That's right. And only Monday to Friday, I would add too. So on the weekend Mm. she would, you know, be at home and, um, you know, she might uh, have breakfast or meet friends for brunch or something like that. So there was no sort of formal intermittent fasting on the weekend aside from, you know, just eating as nutritiously as she possibly could. Um, it was just really in the work uh, on the work days. Um, and particularly when she was traveling for work and, and that's all she did. It was, it was, you know, quite incredible. Yeah. Wow. But I think it's also really important for our listeners to note that she did actively make some, um, health changes as well. It wasn't like she was just eating within that eight hour period, but eating you know, quite poorer food choices. She was actively trying to get a few extra steps in, you know, choose um, a couple of pieces of fresh fruit, some nutritious meals without feeling overly restricted or, or like she was on a, you know, a really strict diet or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, and again, another question I get all the time, what do I eat when I'm, when I, when I'm in an eating window, you know, can I kind of eat whatever I want? And <clears throat> I think it's important to say, Um, I don't think anyone can eat whatever they want because I think that's a little bit dangerous, but I definitely think that, um, you know, having some flexibility with what you eat is really important and not eating food that you think you should be eating and portions that you think that you should be eating because it's part of a diet, but being a little bit more intuitive in terms of if one night you feel like a pasta, enjoy the pasta and eat the pasta. But you're right in that um, a big another big change she made was that there, she was eating a lot of sweet foods late at night um, and that she sort of really um, trimmed down and, and mostly cut out um, and maybe might enjoy, say, on a Saturday night or if she went to the movies or something like that instead of it being like a daily sort of thing. So, yeah, look, there were definitely other little changes she made, but she certainly wasn't on a strict uh, sort of diet plan. There was definitely some um, some nice flexibility within that as well. Yeah, wonderful. And she, she found it easy to maintain for such a long period of time, whereas I know the research with, you know, with weight loss in general, most people, um, they just can't stick to it. That's the hardest part. You know, we say losing weight is generally quite easy, but keeping it off is the hardest part. And so have you touched base with her, I guess, recently or, um, or even 12 months after sort of you first started seeing her? Has she been able to maintain the weight loss that she that she'd got? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I've been on maternity leave now for a couple of months, but, um, I saw her just before I went on maternity leave. And so I, I think we probably worked in total together for a year or so as in she reached her goal within about four or five months. And then she checked in with me every couple of months after that. And she very, very successfully, in fact, she, she even continued to lose a little bit more weight past her goal. Um, uh, and and uh, and she could get away with that. She so she was a uh, sort of on the top end of the normal BMI range, and so 
um, you know, and she wasn't necessarily trying to further lose weight. Her body just sort of naturally continued to lose a couple more kilos. And so, yeah, she was very happy, very happy. Yeah, wonderful. And she's still, as far as you know, continuing with intermittent fasting to this day, just as part of a lifelong yes. healthy lifestyle? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, she was very she was um, very keen to continue on doing it forever, and and you know she said I don't I don't I don't even remember what I was doing before kind of thing. You know this was very much her her new lifestyle. Yeah, wonderful. What a great story. Thank you so much for sharing um, that one with us, Jamie. That's probably all we have time for today. So I've actually got quite a lot of listener questions that they'd love to hear you ask, and I'd love to touch base with you more around intermittent fasting and gut health. But we'll do that in a second podcast because I know that the listeners will absolutely love to hear a little bit more from you around in fasting and also your wonderful book as well so that's all that we've got time for today guys thank you so much for joining us jamie um if listeners wanted to get in touch with you or follow you on social media um what uh what is your instagram handle how can they get in touch with you sure two ways so i've got our website which is jamie rose nutrition and my name's spelled j-a-i-m-e and then rose nutrition and then my instagram is the same it's um jamie rose underscore nutrition wonderful well everybody go and check jamie out on instagram give her a follow and we will touch base and catch up in the next episode thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me I really hope that you guys enjoyed that amazing chat with Jamie, our nutritionist and dietitian talking all about intermittent fasting and how you can really practically apply it to your own lifestyle if you so wish. So stay tuned guys, Jamie will be answering all of our listener questions in episode two around intermittent fasting. We've got so much more to chat about. I really can't wait for you to join us. Catch you in the next episode.